Welcome and thanks for stopping by. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to our podcast on one of your favorite platforms, I'm glad you're here. At this time, I would like to thank our partners and sponsors for their dedication to helping the show to grow. We cannot do what we do without their help. the millennium beat with kevin james i'm your host and today we have a friend that i've known for many years he's an old-time radio jock uh he's been around for a while he knows his stuff he i'm going to be learning from him today so his name is bart mazzarelli uh we used to call him uh you still get called the bart man i do people yes. run into me all the time they call me the bart man yeah so i i never really have uh, oh by the way welcome thanks for joining me i don't want to forget that so thanks it's bart. a pleasure to be here kevin i am looking forward to this interview uh as i said we went to the gym together or we, we passed each other in the gym a lot when i was losing weight and exercising and and we talked earlier you're still doing that so yeah i i've been doing it now since i was 30 years old and i was wow. uh working as a, a disc jockey doing a midday show at WDRC in Hartford. And the boss wanted me to go try out this fitness center. At the time, it was a Nautilus fitness okay. center. And uh, because they wanted to advertise on the station, and they wanted one of the jocks to go over there and actually be a member. So okay. I got a free membership, and I said, I might as well take advantage of it. So yeah. I realized that by going there several times a week, my body was changing. So... I decided mm -hmm. I'd keep it up, and that was at the age of 30, so that right. was 44 years ago. Wow. That is, I'm old. That is, I'm old. I'm oh, as old as the hills, man. Uh, you know, I says, we'll, I'll never catch up to you, so, yeah, because you're going to live forever. So unless I, unless I die, you know, you can't catch up. Being Christians, is what's the, who is that prophet? And it's like, he was, was it Enoch, or? Yeah, until he was no more. He just he just disappeared. He just Enoch. vanished. Enoch. Enoch. So it was Enoch, yeah. So you're going to be like that. You're going to be, all of a sudden, you're Elijah going to be here. Also, uh, Elijah also. Elijah. Well, don't they say those are going to be the last two those two prophets coming back? They, they're they guessing that it might be them because they never actually physically died. In the so, Bible, that's true, yes. Yeah, in the Bible, that is true. So, but, so, so we've known each other for a while. And it says that we exercise, you know, passing each other and stuff like that. Tell me a little bit about your story of where you were born and, and, and how you get to where you are right now. Sure. Um, my mom was 18 years old when she got married and uh, had three children like that. Wow. One year apart. So I've got uh, a brother and a sister. And uh, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. My, my dad uh, was 26 when he married my mom at 18. 
Okay. And uh, he was a World War II veteran. I was named after him. Uh, his name was Bart, and he named me Bartholomew. And so, right, that's right. That I asked you. Bartholomew. And, uh, you know, amazing thing is, is that he was in the, in the hair business. He was a, the head beauty consultant. Uh, oh, wow. He liked to work on women's hair. He was like a magician with that. <laughs> he was also a musician who played okay. the sax, and he played with the uh, combos, and he also played with the California Symphony Orchestra. And, and so he was a musician like I was throughout my life. I guess I inherited his genes. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that story a little while later. Right. Um, so he passed away when I was four years old. He, he, uh, he had kidney failure and, and passed away. And we moved from uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, where we lived in this really big, beautiful uh, home with eight bathrooms and all that, because my wow. grandmother was a very wealthy uh, real estate tycoon. And we lived with her. But when my dad died, we no longer uh, could live with her for whatever reason. I won't go into family issues. Right. Yeah. So my mom moved us into uh, the projects for all intents and purposes. That's what it was. It was welfare, uh, right. state aid housing. So I, I lived in the projects and we were essentially poor. We didn't really have anything. So that's wow. how I began my life. And at four years old, I realized that I lost my dad, but I, I really didn't have uh, a lot of memories uh, at that age. With, well, I think you lost more than just your dad. I mean, you lost your financial status and everything else. Is it- right. Um, and, and, and the people that I grew up with in those early days uh, really didn't have much either. I mean, it was right. multicultural. Mm-hmm. It was a real melting pot. I mean, uh, we had... Everything from Puerto Rican people, uh, uh, Chinese, uh, Japanese, um, uh, uh, of course, you know, uh, African-American. Uh, right. So I was able to uh, relate to just about anybody through that experience. Right. That is cool. So that was, that was in New Britain, Connecticut, which was the hardware uh, capital of the United States at the time. We had factories all over the place. So uh, a lot of people in our town we're just the uh, blue collar uh, working mm-hmm. class people. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what it was like to be rich. I didn't see a lot of rich people, wasn't exposed to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came from that real blue collar, hardworking background. Right. And I, well, I think that's where my, uh, uh, my work ethic really came from. It came from. Well, I think a lot of reasons why you don't really, because you said your dad died when you were four. So you don't really remember much between zero and four, I'm sure. that. So you didn't have, because you said you lived in a very nice house, you know, stuff like that. But that was only until four years old. So yeah, I don't you, even remember living there. The only place yeah. I remember living to begin with was, um, was in the projects. Yeah, right. And so that's how... I, it could have been a little bit different if you were 10 or 14, 15 years old oh, yeah. and you lived, you know, and had that lifestyle. And then all of a sudden you didn't have that lifestyle. So it would be a, a lot different. So, all right. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I say, I learned something new already. I didn't, I didn't really know how you started. So, so, okay. So from that point, what were your teenager like, years like? What were you well, like as a teenager? Into my teenage years, I want to tell you that um, okay. my, my grandmother and uh, my, my aunts, my, 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 uh, my dad's sisters mm-hmm. moved out west to California. So they okay. lived in the Los Angeles area. 
so uh, after a few years of living in the projects, one of my aunts drove from California to New Britain mm-hmm. to pick us up and take us to California. So wow. when I was in second grade, we moved out to California, and I went to uh, uh, third and fourth grades out in California. Oh, and wow. uh, so I was able to live in the West Coast. While we were there, my um, my mom's boyfriend, who she left behind in New Britain, uh, drove out to California to propose to her. They went to Las Vegas, got married. So at the age of nine, I had a, a stepfather. Oh, wow. And uh, that, that really kind of shaped uh, me and my personality because I have to tell you that uh, he was not a great guy. Uh, he couldn't hold a job. He had a problem with drinking and gambling and messing around on my mom and uh, didn't treat us well. And so I had a very unhappy childhood because he he pretty much hated me. <laughs> oh, wow. And He uh, probably I, resented I, you. I had no idea why, uh, but yeah. it just was, you know. And you were young, so it's like, why should he hate you? You know, and, yeah, and, and why, you know, why grow up uh, with, you know, loud arguments with um, bad language and drinking and, and all that. And I just I, I just vowed I wasn't going to be like that as I grew up, you know. OK. Right. Yeah, I can see why now you had to go back to that. That's because that's an important part of your life. And, and I'm, I'm sorry that I almost missed that. So. So, OK, so so you're out in California and then you're getting older. Um, and now are we are up to your teenager years. Uh, what's the young teenager uh, Bart like? What was he like? Okay, well, we'll get into that. But I want you okay. to know that that my grandmother in New Britain uh, called my mom incessantly to come back home. So eventually, oh. we drove back across the country and moved back to uh, oh. Connecticut and okay. um, and lived there. So I, I wound up going to I think eight different elementary schools. Wow. And, and then uh, as a teenager, I went to a Catholic junior high school. Okay. And um, and after getting caught smoking in the boys' room uh, in ninth grade. Of so is that Catholic, song written about you? Yeah. You know, smoking yeah. in the boys' yeah. room. Yeah. Brownsville Station did that, right? <laughs> oh, did it? Yeah, I don't so, know. Uh, I, I, I was let go, and I had to go to the uh, secular high school, uh, junior okay. high, junior high. Junior. And, uh, and so, you know, I was exposed to, you know, Catholic junior high and secular junior high. And I made I made friends with all these different types of people. And at right. the time, I was also a uh, a young budding musician and I had a band. Uh, we we're called the High Tones. So I was a guitarist and we had a sax, a trumpet, um, uh, drums. Uh-huh. And uh, we we went out and played gigs and, and uh, worked for pizza. Okay. And, uh, you know, quarters. Uh, and that's how I began my musical career. Okay. And, and those guys that I played with, uh, we wound up playing in different bands and wound up in high school playing mm-hmm. in the same band, uh, which was called Detroit Soul, which is okay. kind of interesting because um, there were a lot of high school dances at the time. And, you know, right. all the popular used kids do. used to get on the dance floor and, and you know, go on dates and do all that stuff. We were up on stage playing. Right. And I was so shy, I would stand way back. I played bass in the band. Okay. And I'd stand back with the drummer 
And I would never go on mic because I was too shy for that. Right. I would never have a date because I couldn't ask a girl out for fear that she would say no. Okay. So I was safely on stage right. away from having to ask a girl to dance and, and said I was up there watching them dancing. Right. And, uh, and, and people still thought, you know, hey, this guy must be cool because he's in a band. Right. And, and so I, I I still made friends, but I was right. known as, as a pretty shy guy. Played sports in high school, uh, uh -huh. baseball, okay. and uh, I also played some football. Uh, but mostly I was a musician. I was known for, for being mm -hmm. a musician in a band. But when I was uh, in my senior year of high school, uh, we put out a record. And oh, wow. So it was called All of My Life. It was written by our keyboard player. We had a great Hammond B3 player, okay. uh, Peter Milano. And Peter came into practice one night and said, hey, guys, I wrote a song, and I know we need a record if, if we're going to be successful and famous. So we we just went along with it, and uh, we wound up going into a studio and recording it. Mm -hmm. Synchron Studios in Wallingford, and, and there were several albums and hits uh, that were recorded there. And uh, it caught the attention of a program director at a Hartford radio station, WPOP, okay. Bob Piva, whose brother was a guitarist for uh, the Four Seasons okay. uh, for many years. And, and uh, so he decided he liked the record, mm -hmm. and he put it on the station, and then it was picked up by stations all over the country. It was wow. actually, and it was bubbling under the Hot 100 in Billboard magazine. So that's mm. before I ever went to college, okay? So right. we were on tour the summer after my high school graduation okay. until I left for college. I, I, I left the band. They kept on going. I left the band because I wanted to go to school in Boston and, and major in uh, radio and TV. Okay. okay. Yeah, at that age, you knew what you wanted to do. And looking back, you did it. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story. Um, oh, when I was a senior in high school, they had a competition uh, mm -hmm. to send a member of each high school to the city hall and mm -hmm. sit in the uh, city council. So okay. each each high school sent a council member. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, and I was not a great student, believe me, right. uh, you know, D and C and an occasional B or A. An average um, student. So one of the smartest girls in, in school decided, Bart, we're going to run you for city council. Why? Okay. I, I, I don't know. But right. she wrote a speech for me. Okay. And this is very important. This is a turning point in my life. So okay. uh, here I was, this shy kid. Mm -hmm. uh and I was asked to get up in front of the school in the auditorium behind a microphone and read this speech, why they should vote for me to be city council. Right. And be our school's representative. So um, I was so nervous. Uh, I couldn't sleep the night before, all during you know the day in classes, knowing I was going to do this. I was sweating. I was nervous. And uh, by the time it was my turn to get up behind the microphone, I was shaking so bad I could barely read the words. But when the uh, when we were filing out of the auditorium and I was heading back to the classroom, my biology teacher, who only paid attention to athletes, by the way, he was uh, he was the announcer at the football stadium. Okay, and and he had this big booming voice. So he walked up to me as I was walking back to class, and he put his arm around me. And he said, Bart, 
I never knew you had it in you. He said, huh. you sounded just like you were on the radio. Oh, wow. And so when the colleges came uh, to our school, you know, they were from all over the place. And I happened to uh, go and talk to several of them. And one of them from Boston uh, had a radio and TV uh, program going. Uh, I, I said, gee, you know, maybe I have a career in radio or TV. Uh, maybe I'll become an actor or something. So I decided I'd go there and started working at the college radio station. And then, Kevin, one day something happened to me. Um, this is my first year of school. They, they, they gave me a one-hour show, and I'm playing records. Back then, we didn't have CDs. <laughs> no. You know, I, I played vinyl. Yeah. And I was spinning it, and I was, you know, doing what I uh, thought I should be doing. And there was a bunch of students standing outside the window looking in, and right. they're, they're knocking on the window. And so I got up from my chair, and I opened the door, and I said, uh, uh, can I do something for you guys? You want me to play a, a record or something? They said, no, we're just wondering what you're doing here. I said, well, uh, I, I'm doing my one-hour show. They says, no. Why are you not working, making money doing this at professional <laughs> radio? So I started getting full of myself and saying, gee, you know, maybe maybe I have something. I don't know. And so I made an audition tape, and uh, I brought it around to stations in my hometown area in Connecticut. Now, that's a two-hour drive from Boston. Right. But I got hired weekends in January of my first year of college, and okay. every weekend I would – I would get back to home and and work Saturday nine hours and nine hours Sunday, making a dollar sixty seven an hour. And all I did was uh, news at the top of the hour and weather at the bottom of the hour and played tapes. But that uh -huh. was my start in radio. Uh huh. Oh wow. Well, I think a lot of it is we know about radio and stuff like that. Is a lot has to do with personality. You had the personality for radio. You know. It, I, I didn't know I had a personality at all. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, there's a different, it's like disc jockeying. There's a difference between a disc jockey and an engineer. You know, there's, you know, some people they are the life of the party, that, you know, and then the people that are the technical path, path of things, you know. Um, one thing was this good thing is they always say, you know, like I always used to joke around and say, yeah, people always tell me I have a, I have a face for radio. But, you know, I mean, uh, I got to ask this question because you didn't mention about it. Because I looked at your bio stuff, and and it looks like you you married to your wife, which is a high school sweetheart. Where did yeah, I mean? When so, did, so let's back up a little bit in your high school time. Um, and, and when did you meet her? Uh, okay, well, this goes back to my band. You know, okay, that's what I was wondering. Playing yeah. on stage, uh, I was able to stand there and watch the crowd. Right. And there was one girl that stood out to me. She had long blonde hair. She okay. was really quite nice looking. Okay. And uh, I noticed that she was shy, so she didn't do a lot of dancing. Right. But I knew the girls she was hanging with were in my class, and she was uh, in in the class below us. Okay. And uh, so, you know, a year younger. Mm -hmm. So one day I, I said to one of the girls that I knew in my class, hey, who is that blonde girl? They said, oh, her name is Cass. I, I said, you know, I I think she's really beautiful. And uh, I, I never went out with a girl, you know, before this. And I, I said, what what if I was to ask her on a date? What do you think? She says, well, you got to ask her. Right. 
And I was kind of nervous about that. So one day in high school, uh, we're changing classes and I was going upstairs and she was going downstairs and she was with that girl I was talking with and they were walking together. And so that girl stops and says, uh, Bart, this is Kaz. Kaz, this is Bart. And Kaz was so flustered, she didn't know what to say. So she said, I never met you, saw you before in my life, which was a lie because she later admitted it. So look at me up on stage. Okay. So, so <laughs> later that day, I met her at the locker and I, uh, and I said, Hey, uh, what, what are you doing Saturday night? She said, I, I don't have any plans. I said, well, uh, I'd like to take you out. Uh, how about a drive-in movie? Okay. So she said, sure. Okay. So I picked her up, went to a drive-in movie, and at the movie, you watch the movie. Right. Basically, if you don't really know each other and you're really shy. Right. And we didn't you really are. Talk. We didn't really talk. You know, I bought That's her popcorn or, or whatever, but that was it. So I drove her home. And as I was saying goodnight, you know, you would think I'd go in for a goodnight kiss or something. Right. You know? But you're shy, so I, I would not shy. expect that. Yeah, because I know. Yeah, that, that's right. I would do it today, but but right. not, not back then. I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so I said to her, hey, before you leave, I just want you to know something. I said, you're, you're the type of girl I always dreamed that I would marry. <laughs> oh, wow. So she said, that's nice. And she got out of the car, went upstairs. And her mom said, how'd your date go? And she said, mom, this guy's a jerk. Uh, I, I will never go out with him ever again. Oh, wow. True, true story. Oh, wow. But later on, um, when the record came out, uh, we had groupies around us. And uh, mm -hmm. her girlfriend oh. said, I, I don't know why you, you don't want to go out with Bart because he's he's uh, going to be famous and his record's on the radio and all this other stuff. And so... The girlfriends said, Bart, why don't you ask Kaz out again? I think she's ready. So that's, we, we went out again and we went steady. Then when I left for college, I put a ring on her finger and I said, I want to get married to you. She accepted. And so a year later, we were married. So we've been married now. This year will be 55 years. Yes, 55 years. Now, this, I have to ask this question. Did she really give any reason why she didn't like you on your first date? I mean, did she well, have anything? Yeah, it's kind of weird for a, a girl in high school to be told by some stranger that she went out with for the first time that I wanted to marry her. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. That would kind of, if you talk about marriage or kids on your first date, yeah, usually they're, they're out the door. <laughs> so, yeah, I can understand now why. I, I didn't know if there was anything else that, that she didn't really like. But No, I mean, I, I, I was as... Um, what word am I looking for? Uh, well, Shivers, gentlemen. Yeah. I didn't go in for any moves. Right. You know, I didn't try anything. I didn't even yeah. try to hold her hand. Right. So it wasn't because of that. You know, it was because I was honest with my feelings, and right. you know, girls just aren't at that age. Now you're you know, in high school. Yeah. High school. How old were you, and how old was she at the time? I was. Uh, uh, I think we were both seventeen. Oh, 17. Okay. The reason why anybody's listening or anything like that, I want them to relate to that. Say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 17. I'm listening to this thing. And that was asked me too. So, okay, cool. That is interesting. It's, um, you know, it, and you didn't date a lot. I think, was that your first girlfriend? You said? Yeah. I, I never, I never asked another girl out 
uh, to go on a date. Um, the other guys in the band, they dated all the time. Right. And they had, you know, a lot of stories uh, to tell. And I never believed their stories. I, I said, gee, you know, <laughs> I don't think girls would agree to that, you know. And uh, I, I guess I was in my own little world. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, I, we were busy in the band. I was either right. uh, working at a supermarket. You know, I worked at a deli department of a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Or I was at band practice or playing at a gig on weekends. Okay. Uh, so I didn't have any real time, you know. I was right. focused on, you know, getting things done. I, mm-hmm. I plus I, I was I had fear that I was going to be rejected, you know. Uh, yes, that big fear. I can relate to. It. I'm a lot like you. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get married, so. Uh, but I'm a lot like that. Question is, where and this will growing up experience your life. Where was God in that in your situation in your life at that time? Was he up? Well, you know. Uh, I was a Roman Catholic. I made my uh, com- first Holy Communion when mm-hmm. I was seven. Uh, went to catechism, mm-hmm. and we uh, never missed church. You know, my my stepdad never went to church, right? But my mom took us to church every Sunday, and of course, I went to Catholic school, and we learned a little bit about religion, right? But we really never knew about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I stayed a Catholic for many, many years. I took, uh, we, we had two sons. Um, right. Our first was born when uh, we were both 21. Okay. And our second was born when we were 24. Okay. And uh, we took them to church uh, from their earliest ages. Mm-hmm. And we kept on going to church uh, every Sunday, but God wasn't a real part of our lives. It was just checking a box like that's what right. you do you know if right. you're a family you go to church you check a box mm-hmm. and uh it wasn't until i was 38 years old and i left connecticut to move to florida okay because i didn't want to stay in an area where it was ice and cold and horrible mm-hmm. snow and accidents with the cars i wanted to go somewhere where it was more like a paradise so right. I was done with the Northeast. I wanted, and I moved to Florida, and I really didn't have a job. I thought, well, you know, I've got so many years of experience in radio. Mm-hmm. I did television. You know, I was uh, I was a weekend sports anchor at an NBC affiliate. I was the uh, uh, voice of ESPN for two and a half years on the network. I okay. said, you know, I've I've got what it takes. I can go somewhere and get a job. I sold my house. I had a business. I sold my business, and I moved to uh, Vero Beach. Okay. I know that town. (laughs) And uh, I know you do. And and it wasn't long before the business that I started with a friend uh, started costing me way too much money. Mm. We weren't all that successful. I wound up losing a quarter of a million dollars in the first eight months. And... I wound up not being able to pay the mortgage on my home, which is by the ocean. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to the bank and said, I, I can't make it. Uh, you got to take the house back. Uh, they said, we, we won't take it back. We're not in the uh, real estate business. So right. I put it up for sale, sold it like that. Okay. Got into a rental and uh, we were very depressed. My wife and I had never suffered a setback in all our years of marriage up till then. And some friends of ours invited us to go to a, uh, a Christian church. It's not a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And we went there, and uh, 
not knowing what we're going to see or feel, right? heard a sermon that seemed to be talking about what was going on in our lives, Okay, heard songs with words that were so impactful because it, it made me cry. I, I was actually there, oh, wow. you know, bawling, and uh, be, because I think God was speaking to my heart, speaking to mm-hmm. my soul. Right. And my wife said, what did you think? And, and I said, well, I think I want to go back. And uh, so we kept on going back. And, mm-hmm. and eventually, people got to know who we were. And right. they knew I had a radio background. And they, uh, they invited us to be on staff at a youth group. And I started uh, going to Bible studies. Uh-huh. And uh, before I knew it, uh, even though I got in my wife's business, who was uh, a real estate agent, I was right. working as a real estate agent. That's where John Hamilton, the uh, mm-hmm. general manager of Christian FM Radio, heard about me. And he was just hired from Charlotte, North Carolina, to take over the uh, management of the this mm-hmm. new startup uh, Christian radio station. Right. And he said, Bart, we need a morning man. Uh, and we would like you to be our morning man. And interestingly enough, I didn't want to go back on the radio, at least not a small radio station. I was thinking I would fly to Atlanta and do some work there and fly back to Vero and, you know, work in a major market. Uh, And it wasn't happening. My audition tapes were rejected. Uh, They didn't know me. And even though I had all this vast experience working at some of the best radio stations in Hartford, Connecticut, Right. And did some TV and, and uh, you know, ESPN. It didn't really matter uh, to them. They didn't know me. Right. And so I was stuck not working in, in radio. And uh, I was starting to make some really good money selling uh, commercial insurance. Mm-hmm. Then John uh, offered me the job. And I, I said to my wife, they offered me the morning show, but I don't want to do a morning show at a startup Christian radio station. That's just not me. She said, uh, Bart, I- I've been praying, praying for you to get back in radio because you're not happy in insurance. You're only happy when you're doing radio. And so I said, you mean that's an answer to prayer? And we're fairly new Christians. And I said, well, you know, if, if that's what you've been praying for and, and this fell into our lap, who am I uh, to reject it? I, I've got to follow through because that's God telling me that's where he wants me. So. Having no experience with contemporary Christian music and not really having ever listened to Christian radio, I dove right into it and I I did my morning show in the style that I did my secular radio up in Hartford. Okay. And apparently it was a good thing because we began attracting a lot of listeners that ordinarily wouldn't be, you know, Christian radio listeners. And and that grew into something very popular, and I, I began to be known everywhere in about a three-county area, you know, Indian River, Brevard, and St. Lucie County, and it was just, you know, miraculous. I, it's got to be miraculous because it was a small station, and now right. we began attracting listeners from all over. You know, and of course, as you know, it grew into a network, and now we're at 250 stations around the country. It's the times have changed because that was basically early 90s, right? I think because I 
was there in 95. So, 94, yeah, 95. So, I began, I began on Labor Day weekend, 1991. Yep. 91. Okay. Now, I was still up in Massachusetts at that time. I didn't move down. Here. I was visiting here. Uh, I, I've heard of uh, Christian FM. I used to listen to it uh, when I was driving back up north or, or I used to go to Central Assembly, and that's right where the the radio station was. So it was so then, I, yeah. And that's it where was we then, yeah. Yeah. So I that's because so I, it began uh, as a brainchild of uh, a Perry Pisani, who was a detective in the uh, Vero Beach Police Department. Okay. And uh, Perry had a vision for starting a Christian radio station, and went to the pastor, uh, Buddy Tipton. And okay. said, Pastor, you know, we'd like to start a radio station. They got a few people together, applied for a license, and got accepted. And mm-hmm. they didn't really know a whole lot about what they were doing. Right. That's why eventually they hired somebody who did, and that was John Hamilton. John Hamilton. And then John, at, didn't he bring along Brad? He they, did. They, brought they, along his brother-in-law, Brad Bacon, who worked in uh, PTL. a major Charlotte uh, well, Christian he, ministry. Right, yeah, it was in P- a PTL at one time, wasn't he? Yep, I think. that's right, PTL. So, yeah, yeah. So he he graduated so these guys, from there. So they knew what they were doing, you know. Right. Yeah, and they, and they had, John had came up with the underwriting program that they have. I think they're still using it today. How they how they do underwriting because it's a non commercial educate uh, license, so you can't do commercials, but you can do underwriting, and they do it. They did it really well. And, well, you know, it, it's funny because one year. After I began working doing the morning show, and I held on to my insurance job, by the way, because oh, okay. because they weren't offering me a whole lot of money to do the morning show. Uh, I think it was like two hundred fifty dollars a week. Okay, so I would get up at three thirty in the morning and 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 be there at five and be on the air from six to ten, and then I would uh, put on a tie and a sports <laughs> jacket and I would go out and sell insurance. But okay. after a year of doing both. The uh, agent of the office called me in and said, Bart, you got to make a choice. You mm-hmm. can't keep doing both. You got to focus your attention one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I was making thousands of dollars more in insurance than I was making working radio. So Kaz and I got together with some Christian friends of ours, did some praying. And out of that, they said, you got to give up insurance and just have faith that God is going to have your back on this. You know, God yeah. is going to see you through it. Because if God takes you to it, He will see you see through. You through it. Yeah, and that was that was my experience, man. So what happened was, uh, you mentioned underwriting. So John said, you know, to make up for the difference, you could sell for the station. You go out and get underwriters. So you got to go out in the community. So at ten o'clock every morning, I would put on my uh, my uh, hat doing underwriting. Yeah, yeah, right. Take off and, one hat, put uh, the other one on. And that proved to be so vitally successful oh, wow. that uh, 14 years later, when I decided to retire from my on-air gig, I went full-time, uh, you know, in underwriting. Right. And I made uh, a lot more uh, income because I was able to focus 100% of my attention on that. Mm-hmm. And the station was able to not only uh, survive, but thrive. Right. And during that time, we had uh, one fundraiser for three days every year. That was Carathon. Yeah. And we appealed to the community to call in their support. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, Kevin, uh, the faithfulness of the listeners, they must love us a lot because they supported us with their hard earned dollars 
to the extent that we were able to not just support our radio station, but a radio station in uh, Peru. Yes, I was thinking about just thinking about that. Yes, I remember that when John they used to do that, go down there. Yeah, we went down there. What John did and Paul Tipton, mm-hmm. and they uh, set up the radio station. Later on, it was became a TV station down there, and and they reached a city of a million people, mostly yeah. Roman Catholic. Oh. It's amazing what God does. You you know, we're vessels, and we can be used by Him. How He uses us, and you can see yeah. the the plan that God had in your life, right? Even right from the get go, right from the start that God was using you and, and you know, bring, sometimes you might've been kicking and screaming a little bit. Like, I don't really want to do that. But God says, Hey, I want you to do that. So, so you did that for a while. And um, then you get into underwriting. How long did you do underwriting before you, or are you, are you still doing underwriting? Cause are you retired? No, I, Semi. yeah, when I was uh, 69 years old, now that's five years ago. Okay. I went to John and uh, well, let me back up just a little bit. Okay. okay. I had wanted to retire pretty much uh, working full time mm-hmm. uh, to spend more time with my wife, who right. had uh, retired when she was 62. Okay. And uh, she was having some uh, physical problems, mm-hmm. and I wanted to take care of her. Right. Uh, but I, I really couldn't stop working because we needed, you know, the income. Right. And uh, uh, so I was looking for someone to take my place. So there okay. was an opportunity. One day I met this guy who moved down from New Jersey and a friend of his who ran a Christian agency in New York City. Mm-hmm. And they were the agency that promoted Christian movies all over the country. And okay. so he knew me because he would call me to, you know, place uh, ads on Christian FM for these Christian mm-hmm. movies. So right. he told this guy, Joe Pellegrino to get in touch with me uh, when he moves to Vero because I have contacts around the town and would help him out. Well, okay. we had lunch one day at a barbecue, uh, 14 Bones Barbecue. Yeah, I know that place. And uh, yeah, a lot of people do, good food. <laughs> and so we sat across the table and he was telling me his story. Okay. How he was a, uh, a minister uh, who was a minister for the uh, for the uh, New York Yankees and the New York Mets, mm-hmm. and how he had uh, four newspapers and periodicals, so he was in the media, right. and uh, he had moved to Vero Beach because uh, he saw a lot of opportunities for his legacy-minded men, men's ministry, mm-hmm. and he had some contacts here as well. And I said, Joe, listening to your story, you sound like the kind of guy that would do well doing mm-hmm. what I'm doing at Christian FM. Uh, And I've been looking to retire. Would you consider taking over my position? Because I think John would love you, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I'm I'm not a radio guy. I'm not a sales guy. I, you know, no, that's not where I want to go at all. I was hoping, he said, I don't even know why I'm having lunch with you. Because (laughs) I I said, why should I have lunch with this radio guy? You know? Right. But as, as uh, fate would have it, you know, his friend actually steered him in the right direction. See, this is a God moment. Mm -hmm. So several months later, I I got a phone call from him. And he said, Bart, uh, remember when you told me that uh, you think that I would be successful if I got a job at Christian FM doing what you're doing, allowing you to retire? 
uh, he said, I think I might want to explore that. So we got together, okay. talked to John. And uh, so what we did was we worked out an arrangement where he would come on board. I would work alongside him for six months. At the end of okay. six months, he would take over all of my accounts, mm -hmm. which meant he could live pretty well. Right. I would um, then bow out of the picture. And, uh, and that's what happened. Okay. And since then, that was five years ago. Uh, the station has absolutely thrived under his leadership. Uh, John elevated him to vice president of, of Christian FM. Mm -hmm. And uh, he leads a, a sales team of, you know, underwriting development people. They call it business development. Okay. And, and they're all thriving. They're all doing incredibly well. The station has never done better. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are supporting it like never before, even during COVID. Right. lockdowns and business shutdowns uh mm -hmm. we did better than ever so that's mm -hmm. a god thing you know god oh, led, yeah. god led joe pellegrino to come to yeah. viral to do what he's doing right now i, I guess this question because you said he's vice president is larry bowen still president or is there anybody else as president larry bowen wasn't he no, president? Uh, larry is uh probably just on the board of directors i, I don't because i thought he was president back in the early 90s. Maybe not. Maybe he wasn't. No, I, I, I don't think so. I think he was just on the board with Buddy. Because I know John was always general manager, but I thought right. but I thought Larry was president. But I don't know. Again, that was early 90s. God, that was a long time ago. I, I think so. John is president and general manager. And then John, oh, founded he? Okay. The network. John founded, you know, the Christian FM network. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's know. a for-profit. Right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So. All right, I got my information. I or my memory has changed. <laughs> it happens after God. It's like it will be next year. I've been in Florida for thirty years, so it's it's yeah, been a tell while. Me about it. I'll have been in Florida thirty. Well, I have been in Florida for thirty six years. Thirty six years. Yeah, yeah, I will actually um, June twenty fourth of twenty twenty four. I will have been living here in Florida longer than I lived in Massachusetts. Because I live I know there, the feeling. same yeah. same thing with my yeah. life in Connecticut. Same thing, but I, but I not like you who dislike the cold and stuff like that. I'm actually looking for property in like Tennessee or North Carolina. That will be I will be a half and half. Um, I live in, in North Carolina, Tennessee, for the really warm part of the year, uh, and then October I'll be back here October through April. Uh, Sounds I'll like a plan there. I can go with. Yeah, like so I'm um you know I've. I'm doing some stuff down in Vero right now. I'm, I'm buying a 40 foot bus and I'll be traveling and doing interviews on the road. And, and I, so I'm going to put, I have land in Vero that I've built. Um, we're putting a pad in, putting a pole in, we just put a new gate in, in, in the, in the, in the property that I'm using. And then and I'm going to do the same thing up in North Carolina. That way I can just go up there and, and just take the hot season and just, just chill off a little bit. Cause I've got, I've got, I've got a friend of mine who I work with at uh, WDRC in Hartford. Okay. Well, I was there for eight years as a midday, you know, DJ. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was our engineer. And when he left around 1980, I think, he went to work for ESPN, which was brand new okay. at the time. Right. He wound up working for ESPN for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then he retired and he bought a house down here in Port St. Lucie. Okay. He goes back to Connecticut in the summer months. He lives in a uh, trailer. In a trailer okay. park, and okay. absolutely 
loves it. He's got it. great friends up there. He's got great friends down here. So I get to see him on a fairly regular basis. So mm-hmm. we've maintained friendships ever since um, he uh, he handled my audition at DRC in 1975. Okay. I see. Another, another God moment type of thing. So Absolutely. Pretty, Absolutely. Pretty cool. yeah. So, so as you said, you retired a few years ago. What's been happening since that point? Because you still have a few years left. You're still alive. So what's what's been going on last couple of years? I still get a paycheck from Christian FM. You uh, resi- what, residual paycheck? No, no, or, no, no, no. When, when I no. left, uh, John sat me down and he said, you know, Bart, you've been such a big part of the station from the beginning. Okay. That, uh, you know, people really relate to the name Bart Mazzarella, the Bart right. man. And I want you to remain a part of the station. So I'm going to work out an arrangement so you can get a monthly check. But for that, I want you to work with the uh, sales department. I want Mm -hmm. you to help Joe Pellegrino uh, when he needs you, et cetera. So what I do is, you know, because we're a nonprofit, the Mm -hmm. scripts have to be written so that they're not commercial uh, scripts, which can get us fined by the FCC, the Federal Communication Commission. Well, Mm -hmm. Since I had written thousands of scripts over the years, I was the guy that John said would be perfect for uh, looking at all of the underwriting scripts to see whether they uh, pass, you know, FCC rules and regulations. Right. So I do that. Plus, uh, whenever we have business owners come into the station to record their own scripts, mm-hmm. I go and I coach them and record them and produce. So okay. therefore, I, I kind of earn my keep still. And I'm still a part of the station. Okay. Now, are you doing any, and now you've done this before, because I remember being in Vero Beach and maybe at the gym or somewhere like that. I go, hey, I know that guy. Or it was on a voicemail or, or voice thing. Message hey, on hold. Message on yeah. hold. Yeah. yeah. So do you do, you do any um, voiceovers still or anymore? I do. I, I do. As a matter of fact, uh, for the last few years, I had been the uh, network voice, um, national voice of uh, tax-saving uh, professionals. Okay. Or my family office, it's called, and uh, my my spots were heard even on uh, Sirius XM okay. on a regular basis. So you know that's something that that I kind of pride myself on, okay. and uh, and I'm on various radio spots at various stations uh, every now and then. Not as much now as I used to do. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny we're talking about God moments and stuff, and very rarely do I get titles of messages before I do an interview or I sometimes while I'm editing, it has to be after the editing, I sit down and say, okay, God, what do you want to call this message? And, and I'm a big Marvels fan and a DC fan. And, and, and your, your nickname has always been the Bartman, you know? So it's a little poor on Batman, but is the title of this message is I am Bartman, a Bart Mazzarella interview. That's God gave me that. And I said, that's pretty cool. You know, I am Bartman. Well, you know, the last time I, I was uh, on the radio doing my show, when I right. signed off, it was uh, at the turn of the year from 2005 to 2006. So it was the end okay. of 2005. It was May, uh, or rather December 30th, okay? Okay. And um, it's the last time I was on the radio calling myself the Bartman, right? Mm-hmm. So last week, I was at Mrs. Max Fillin Station, which is oh, a yeah. well-known eatery here in Vero Beach. Oh, yeah, I eat there a lot every time I go. Down. Except they're not open on Mondays, and that's a lot of times when I'm there. They're not open on Sundays. Oh, Sundays. But are they open on Mondays? Yeah. 
Okay. Yes. Okay. It's New England Eatery that's not open on Mondays. Right. Because I'm so, usually down on there. Go ahead. So I was uh, having breakfast on a Saturday morning last week. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the owner, Lauren, who was at our table. I've known mm-hmm. her since she was in junior high school because oh, wow. she was in our youth group, right? So okay. we're, we're talking to her, and I hear this woman's voice pipe up from the kitchen. I know that voice. I know that voice. So she comes running out. She says, the Bartman. She said, I grew up listening to you. How's that? That's amazing. You know, you just never know who's listening. And, in, in, well, the influence you've had, you know, your personality, your, your, your lifestyle and things that, you know, the love of God, you know, people look at that. I mean, that, that affects people. So that is a good thing, you know. Well, you know, I, I picked up a, a trait from my mom. My mom was a people mm-hmm. lover. Right. And you might say a people pleaser. She would do anything for people. You know, she wanted right. to feed them when they came into the house and, mm-hmm. you know, keep on feeding them until, you know, food was coming out of their ears. You know, Italian mom, uh, right? She's an Italian oh, yeah. great cook and all that. Mm. And wherever she went, you know, she would be a hugger and kiss mm. people on the cheek and, and just loved on people. Mm. And even though I was shy as a kid, I, I didn't realize that as an adult, I was a completely different person. Right. I would embrace people and, and get to know them and want to hear their stories and all of that. So I guess that contributed to my uh, being popular on the radio because people felt I really cared about it. And, and I really did, you know, right. and whenever I would meet them in person, you know, they would be so excited to meet me and all that. And I was excited that they were excited and, wow. you know, because, it, you know, I wanted to be liked mm-hmm. and, um, I think everybody really wants to be liked. Yeah. I think everybody really wants to be liked and loved and stuff like that. But it's interesting listening to your story. And as I said, I've known you for a long time. Our lives are, I mean, there's some difference, obviously. But, you know, a lot of your personality is like the shyness and stuff like that. I mean, I played the guitar, but not for very long. I always used to say, I'm a white man that can't strum. I had a hard time. Melody music. I remember taking lessons at Melody Music, and, and I, I said I had a hard time. <laughs> so, but I, I like guitar. I like music. I've I've always loved music and stuff like that. And I've always, I mean, always people have told me. I mean, I don't really have the good size radio a headphone. I mean, headphones are good, but you know, it has a microphone built in. Doesn't have that real disc jockey type of. But they always told me that man, I had a voice for radio. So and it's like, yeah, you know, I. I because I always do, I do my own voiceovers and stuff like that. And they say, oh, you should be in radio. I said, nah, I tried that for a couple of days. That didn't work. Well, you have something, Kevin, it's called resonance. So resonance. Okay. You know, that, that's, that's a good thing. Like, oh, resonance. In, okay. I know. Res, you know. Resonance. Resonance. No. Oh, resonance. Okay. I, you know, I, I, I'm also a baritone bass. I remember being in choir with Billy McLeod and, you know, and uh, I'm the, I'm the bass or the baritone, you know, I have a little deeper voice and, you know, people always will hear me and they go, you know, hey, you should be on radio. I go, well, I know the next best thing. I'm doing podcasting now. And and I'm like you and like your mother. I love listening to stories like, I mean, I'm engulfed in your story. I mean, that's, what my, that's, what, that's why my tagline is encouraging the world one story at a time. God gave me that tagline. You know, it's the millennium beat. It's the millennium of this time period, the millennium. And it's the beat of God, what God is doing. And that's why I interview people like yourself and other people that have interesting stories to encourage the world. 
you know, that, you know, God is still moving and God is still living today. So, and people like you are a prime example of it. So I you really know, I appreciate back on, on the tragedy of losing my business and losing my house and having to virtually start all over again. That was in 1988. And I didn't know it at the time, but God used that mm-hmm. to bring me to a Christian church right? and to meet Christian people and then be invited to be on the youth staff at First Church of God. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Being recognized because I wound up playing guitar and leading music for the youth. Mm-hmm. John Hamilton taking notice that I was there. Right. And got to know me, hired me for the radio, right? Mm-hmm. So I was on youth staff for five years. And after that, I was uh, asked to be in a single adult ministry. So okay. I left the youth group. My wife and I ran single adult ministry, 18 through 30, at our home every Thursday night. When that was over, we were kind of like out of doing active ministry. Mm-hmm. And then the church asked me if I would get involved with, um, doing something at the church that would bring in new people. So we started a Christian coffee house at the church called His Way Cafe. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Forgot so that, yeah. We did that for a number of years, a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I've been there uh, a few times. Yeah. And then during that time, uh, uh, some friends of ours at church said, why don't we form a, uh, a couple's Bible study? Okay. And that was like a life group, right? We called it a life group. And mm-hmm. we met at my house. I had a nice, beautiful home at the time and uh, that we sold five years ago when I retired. And we met there, and we had 14 people, and uh, I was the leader. Mm-hmm. I would never see myself as a leader uh, of right. something like that back when I was, before I became a Christian. Right. Uh, because I would think, you know, who am I? What knowledge do I have? And what can God do to use me? But because God prepared me for this, right? He uh, he had a plan for my life. You, you mm-hmm. know uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? You know, oh yeah, it's famous famous verse. It is a famous verse. You know, uh, and I didn't realize what the plan was, but mm-hmm. as I look back, I can connect the dots. This right. happened for a reason. That happened for a reason. This led me here. This connected me with that person. And then um, after 11 years of leading the life group, we uh, we decided that we're going to just disengage for a while because there's a lot mm-hmm. that goes into having 14 people over once a week, preparing oh, yeah. and the food and, you know, all the stuff that you do. Right. And then I met Joe Pellegrino. I told you yeah. he was the founder right. and the president of Legacy Minded Men. And uh, he started a legacy group here in Vero Beach, which I attended. But after we got involved with Christian FM, he said, Bart, I, I'm juggling too many things. I, I just can't keep leading my legacy-minded men's group. Right. I want you to take over. Would you do it? I said, sure. So I took flip, over flip the group. roles here. You took over for you in the underwriting, and then you took over for the ministry. Pretty amazing, right? Y- yes. So that was uh, about, I'd say, four, four years ago or so. Okay. And um, and we've been meeting at my house every Monday night for all those years. And we, oh, wow. we keep adding guys. Some guys leave. Other people come on board. And 
Mm -hmm. And they talk about how impactful, you know, legacy-minded men ministry has been for their lives. Wow. And and so, uh, again, you know, God puts us together with people mm -hmm. who will have a major Im impact on our lives. You know, all right. this for a reason. Right. Well, so you're still doing that to, to this date. You're still doing that. Like they're coming tonight. Yep. Oh, they're coming tonight. Okay, cool. Well, I know I'm. Uh, Vero is going to be part of my home. Also, Daltona is, and then also North Carolina or Tennessee. So, so when I, I'll be down there on Monday, so I have to look at that group up and and. You're invited come. if you want to come. Yeah. You're invited. Oh yeah, because I'm always I, I'm in Vero a lot of times on Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays, and, and then I only have to be back in Lake Mary because I work for a Christian radio, a Christian television station. So uh, on Thursdays and Fridays. So and then the, the rest of the and then Sundays I work for a church. I run their media department. My office is, is part of the church. They lease me out a room, which is now a control room for the church. Because <laughs> we broadcast we broadcast every Sunday uh, live. And we I, I take care of that. I run that department, you know, and I, I meet up with people and stuff like that. So, But your story is awesome. I mean, we could go on forever, but you've covered up pretty good with what your life is like. In closing, what would you like to say to people uh, that are listening that... Uh, you know, maybe they might be struggling a little bit about their what God has planned for them or something. I don't know. What do you really feel like the Lord's leading you to say in closing? I mean, it could be whatever you want. And go, I'll and give you, know, you the when I When I was a, a young baby Christian, mm -hmm. here I was, you know, 38 years old, and uh, uh, a man at my church took me under his wing, and he said, okay. uh, I, I think you need discipleship. Right. So he asked me to come every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. to his office over on the beachside. Okay. And for several weeks, we studied the book of John. You know, it talks about Jesus and who Jesus really, really is. Not was, but who he is in our lives today. Right. That changed my perception of, of God and and how God relates to human beings, that Jesus actually lived and he told people who his father God is so that we would know. Right. And, and then the sacrifice that he made goes beyond anything any of us could ever imagine. And because of that sacrifice, we have a bridge that leads from our lives on earth to our Heavenly Father's kingdom, which is for all eternity. Right. And I would say to those listening that if you haven't been serious about Jesus Christ, having faith in him as a savior, having paid your penalty that you deserve, he didn't deserve it. That is the lesson that eternal is forever. There's no off ramp to eternity. And the opposite of eternal life is eternal death, right. something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I don't have any enemies anyway, but uh, that follow Jesus. And if you don't know him, read the Bible, get to know Jesus on a personal basis. You can have that personal relationship. It's only through that relationship that you'll be able to breathe your last Close your eyes in this life and open your eyes in eternity with God in heaven.
All right, well, let's wrap it up up there. Uh, everybody, you've been listening to Ramon and B with your host, Kevin James. I'm Ben on the computer with Bart Marzarella. Bart, the Bart man. Bart, thanks very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Well, thanks for asking me. It's a pleasure, Kevin. Thank All you. All right. Everybody else, tune in next week for some more interviews or some topic shows. Well, we'll see you then, and God bless. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production. Views and opinions of the guest are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. Check us out on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and TikTok, at the Millennium Beat, or on Twitter, at Millennium underscore Beat. If you would like to partner with us, to reach the world, go to our website for more information. You can go to themillenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net. Your financial support is greatly appreciated. We couldn't do all we do without your support. Beat just updated our website from the ground up. Check it out at themillenniumbeat.com or you can get there by using millenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net where you'll be redirected to the millenniumbeat.com's homepage. I want to thank Mass Inbound for their awesome work on our website. If you're looking for somebody to build your site, I recommend them. You can reach them at massinbound.com. That is M-A-S-S-I-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. These are some of the things that you can find on our website. Homepage. You can watch our latest YouTube video or listen to our audio podcast. Also listed are some of the platforms our audio podcast is on. You'll find out when the next podcast will air and who the guests will be. On the top right, you'll find two red buttons. Learn how to help and become a guest. Under Learn How to Help, You can become a partner, sponsor, contributor, or contribute to the future Millennium Bus. You can give one time or monthly recurring. The choice is yours. The other button is Be a Guest. Click it, go to the form, and fill it out, and we will get back to you. We would love to hear your story. Click the About Us drop-down where you'll find stats, where we are reaching people, and to find more information on our sponsors. Click on the podcast drop-down, then click on the calendar tab, where it will tell you when the shows will air and who will be on them. Or if you need to know about any meetups of the Millennium Beat staff, partners, or listeners. Also, there might be on the calendar an event at which the Millennium Beat staff will be at. Click the guest tab for all previous guests, links to their website, social media pages, and any store they might have. Click the forms drop-down. There you'll find a release, be a guest, or become a sponsor form.